I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. And hello everybody, welcome along. It is another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Very good to see everybody out there. And the Cricket World Cup has finally woken up, hasn't it? We've had a close game today and a good game. And unless you're a Pakistan fan, um, because uh, Afghanistan doing the job over Pakistan and uh, the World Cup starting to just build up to a crescendo. If it carries on like this and the games gradually get better, by the end of it, we'll have forgotten all the dull games at the start and everybody will be dead excited. But pleased to say, Neil and Anand are back with me and are happy to welcome back to the Cricket Badger podcast. It's been a while since you've been on this. Azam, Azim Rafiq, hello. Hi, hey, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, whatever happened to that podcast that we did ages ago, I can't remember. It, it could die to death, didn't it? But uh, good to see you. And uh, we'll start with you. Have you watched uh, Pakistan's defeat today? Yeah, I've watched bits and bobs of it. Uh, I, di- I didn't get to watch the whole game because I was flying overnight. Uh, but yeah, it's the same story, isn't it? Um, Pakistan doing what Pakistan exactly does. Um, to be honest, I, I don't think it's any surprise. Uh, the players have looked uh, short of, you know, I think they've looked done for a few weeks now. The Asia Cup started really well and it felt like, you know, with the three pace bowlers, Pakistan might, uh, you know, challenge a few teams um, and, yeah, injuries, a couple of injuries. And it's all unravelled very quickly and very disappointing there. Always said about Pakistan, and it still remains true. They, on their day, they can be anybody in the world, can't they? And on their day, they can lose to anybody in the world. And today was one of the one of the latter ones. Yeah, it's just, you know, frustrating to watch because um, you could see this coming, um, you know, I think if we're being brutally honest, Baba Baba is the only world-class player in the team. Yes, there there are other players that are good players who have performed well at different stages over the last few years. 
But Barber's the only world-class player. But even with that, it's Pakistan's bowling that generally, um, you know, when they win, when they're not expected to, it's generally the bowling that does it. Um, I think Nassim Shah's been a big loss. Shaheen looks uh, tired and Harry... Harris Rauf looks something else. Azim's just frozen for a second. We'll come on to uh, Neil and Anand, two Indian supporters on the podcast. I guess you're really reveling in the fact that Pakistan got beaten today, aren't you? Who's going to start us off? <laughs> I can go. So for me, I actually wanted Pakistan to win for a primary reason that I think it makes the competition even more closer, right? The last few matches, everything's going to be all bunched up and you know you don't know who's going to make the semis. But in some ways, you also look at Afghanistan and say, okay, they beat England the other day and today they beat Pakistan. And it wasn't, we didn't get the feeling that they were, that this was a fluke, right? They looked in control throughout the match, whether it was bowling, batting or fielding. So yeah, I, I think for me, uh, I was rooting for Pakistan, but it, it's really good to see Afghanistan win. Indian fan admits to rooting for Pakistan live on the, the Cricket Badger podcast. Seven matches prior to this, though, Anand. Uh, Pakistan had won all seven ODIs. So uh, Afghanistan have chosen a very big day, haven't they, to actually break that duck and get the, that win over Pakistan. They did amazing. I mean, first the, the first thing they did was they, they got in four spinners, right? And you look at it, where are we playing? We're playing in Chepok. The ball is going to spin. It's India. It's where, you know, Dhoni has established his empire there. You know the ball's going to spin. They did a great job in picking the fourth spinner. And who did he get out? He got Babar, best batsman in Pakistan. He got Shafiq, yeah. who's been the informed batsman in Pakistan. I think a great find. And then, uh, what do you get else? Rizwan, right? You got Rizwan. He got the big three, really, didn't he? In the, <laughs> I mean, in the World Cup today. That's amazing what Noor did. And, uh, you know, for a kid who's, what, 20, I think? Uh, you know, really amazing. And I think they got the tactics spot on. And the other part was they didn't panic. I mean, 280 is still a decent score, right? Uh, you could argue that maybe Pakistan could have got 20, 30 more. But 280 is a decent score and they didn't panic. I mean, Zadran did amazing. Gurbaz did amazing. And, you know, even after that, they just kept going and kept their wits about it. So I think this is really the blossoming of a team coming good. And we knew that Afghanistan could pull an upset or two especially in Indian conditions. They play in India an awful lot. You know, Dehradun is one of their grounds that they play all the time in. So it's not, it's not, it's really amazing. And I hope that they continue on from there. I feel really happy for, for the country and what they've done. And certainly for their fans, I think there was a lot of joy today. So it was amazing to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. And the celebrations afterwards, understandably, they were very happy with life, weren't they, the Afghan players? And Neil, we were talking just before these two joiners, uh, before we went live, that, it was a slightly different Afghanistan today, wasn't it? They they kind of shoot from the hip a little bit. They kind of get overexcited sometimes. But today was a very mature chase and they did the, did the job. Yeah, I mean, a typical Afghanistan batting innings would be like the one against England. You know, um, Gurbaz goes off an absolute flyer. Then they lose wickets in a silly way and someone kind of sticks around to hold it together and you get some cameos from the likes of Rashid. Today, it was clinical it, they were calm all the way through they were up with the run rates i mean all right uh certainly at the beginning um the pakistan seamers were um missed their marks and they cashed in but it was really really mature um and it was clinical and it had it had the fingerprints of jonathan trot that was the sort of innings that he would play when he was playing really good odi cricket in the uh, early 2010s you know the greatest praise i can say is that the way they managed that chase is a way that Virat would have been proud of. Um, because have to bring it back to India, don't you? <laughs> they, it, it was just, it was superbly managed. Um, and, you know, usually we see, you know, a big rush of blood to the head, but that was just 
really, really superb because I thought Pakistan were maybe 20 over par. That that looked a tough deck um, and there was a bit of ifty mania at the end uh, to get them up to to that score. Um, so, But yeah, hats off. It was superb. Every team comes into this tournament. We've said this before on this podcast, Azim, that they come in with like a ceiling of expectation. Afghanistan with two wins have pretty much ticked the boxes. Everything, everything from here really for Afghanistan is a bonus, isn't it? Well, I don't know because, uh, you know, you talk about Noor Ahmed and, you know, he's played a lot of franchise cricket, you know, well in demand. You know, their players have uh, been getting experiences and been quietly improving uh, in the background, I think. Uh, so I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm a little bit excited for what Afghanistan can do for the rest of this tournament. I really am. Because I think today was, you know, today showed a team growing, uh, growing together. Um, and, you know, what a sight that would be at a time where, I don't know for what reason, but it's probably the only sport that wants to, you know, get smaller to grow. Um, it would be another message uh, to the ICC and the cricket administrators that we need, you know, teams like Afghanistan and Netherlands, given the opportunity and the resources, can compete. So, no, I, th- I think they'd have quietly bigger expectations than that. I mean, you mentioned Netherlands there. I've been delighted with them. They've been brilliant. They are a strong unit. They are together. They fight for each other. They're well prepared. And they are flying the flag for the associate nations and they're flying it high and proud, aren't they? Yeah, I think I think look, associate teams have always, you know, generally given a good account of themselves. Uh, you know, you've got to put it into context of the lack of resource these teams and uh, countries have, and you know, not just from a financial point of view, the teams, other teams just don't play them, uh, and you don't get better without playing. So they have to find other ways to get better, and they seem to be doing that. Um, you know, innovative coaching uh, and you know, team team um, together. So. I think, again, it's been great to watch. The the three teams that seem to be taking it on at the moment that look to be destined for the semi-finals are India, New Zealand and South Africa. If they carry on playing the same way, it'd be a surprise if those three didn't get to the semi-finals. The way the rest of the table's bunched up and the way the other teams are playing, they're taking points off each other. We've been saying all the way through this World Cup that three defeats is probably the maximum you could have. But I've been looking at it today and we're going to work through the remaining fixtures as we go through to work out who might make the semi-finals. But there is a chance, Azim, that maybe even four defeats and you could sneak through on that run rate. So Afghanistan, Netherlands... You never know, dear. Could they get to the semi-finals? Could they be a surprise package? Uh, I'll just say one thing about New Zealand because you know everyone's saying you know four wins in a run. They've only lost to India and they they push them quite hard. But they've got to face England, Australia, and Pakistan and Sri Lanka, who uh, we've seen have got a really explosive batting lineup. They're just really unfortunate that you know three or four of their best bowlers have been injured coming into this tournament. Um, so on the right deck, then they could, um, you know, you know, batting first, they could really put them, uh, put New Zealand in a tough position. That that's a hard run of four. So I wouldn't, I'd expect them to go through, but I wouldn't be surprised if they properly had to wrestle for it because mm. they're playing big teams. Australia have already played South Africa, they've already played Pakistan, they've already played India. So they they've got England, who you know. Goodness knows what's going to happen. You know, maybe the whole squad's going to go home, and Zach Rawley's team's going to come out for the rest of the tournament. <laughs> but uh, they're, yeah, they're, either they're going to, you know, come out fighting because they're backs to the walls, or they're just going to collapse. You know, 2019 backs to the walls, 2013 Ashes just complete collapse and fiasco. 
could go either way for them. Um, so I'm not completely sold on New Zealand just because the run in yet. Uh, okay. I think they'll scrape it, but uh, I think Australia and yeah, uh, Australia's run in is looking pretty good, and South Africa and India have just looked really impressive. <laughs> Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. It's actually really fascinatingly poised as I say we'll go through the uh, remaining games at the end of this and work out who we think is going to make the semi-finals but let's move on to India uh, before I come to the two Indian fans on the uh, the podcast let's go to Azim um, India have looked like the Rolls Royce of this competition so far five wins from five matches ten points on the board they look as if they're going to coast through top of the table um, who can stop them is the first question and B is it going to be the same old India get to the semi-finals put in their one bad performance and miss out yeah I think I mean, I, I think only India can stop themselves. Um, I think they've got it uh, absolutely spot on, all bases covered, home advantage. Um, they started, you know, the Asia Cup, they started off a bit slow uh, and then they just started to pick momentum and you could just see the wheels turning and, you know, now they've got the spinners bowling well, the seamers, uh, you know, Bumrah's back, Rohit and, you know, the GOAT, Virat is in top form. So... I honestly think India needs to hope for a bad day before the semi-final. Just get a bad day out of the way. Um, and I don't see anyone stopping them at this stage, to be honest. I'll tell you, Neil claimed their bad day earlier on in the tournament when they were two for three at one stage. But we're not having that. There's going to be a worse day than that to come. <laughs> and uh, I, somebody said to me on the WhatsApp group the other day, I really hope India have that bad day in the semi-final and uh, wipes a smile off their face. But is it going to happen, Anand? Is there a bad day around the corner? Are your smiles going to be taken off those faces? I don't see it primarily because it's in India. And if you look at that bowling attack, every each and every one of them can get you wickets. They're not defensive bowlers. I mean, arguably Jadeja outside of India, but really in India, he's a weapon, right? So in Jadeja and Kuldeep for spin. And when you had Bumrah, he has been absolutely phenomenal this whole tournament. Siraj, I know, has gone for a few runs, but he's aggressive. He's going to bowl full length. He might get tonged for a bit, but he'll take a few wickets, right? Uh, and then Shami, who came in for that one game, right, and, and showed what he could do. And Ashwin's still in the wing if it's spinning. So I think, you know, the bowling attack's there. Uh, and from a batting standpoint, everybody who should be informed is informed. I think arguably you could say maybe Shreyas Iyer has not put in a beginning and maybe Gil hasn't. But again, you know, Gil just recovered from uh, from Dengue. So, you know, let's give him a couple of games maybe. But you know, I, I think India is good. And I don't anticipate issues with semifinals as well because these are conditions they grew up playing in. The, um, the four people that have generally been sitting out for India, Surakumi Yadav, isn't it? Mohamed Shami, who proved, as you say, with the the, uh, the wickets in the the last match. You've had, uh, who else is there? Ravi Ashwin and... Kishan. They all four of those would walk into any other of the teams in the tournament, wouldn't they? As, as individual players. The, the strength in that squad is enormous. Ashwin's played one game 
tell me right now, would Pakistan not trade him for Nawaz or... I mean, Iftikar, <laughs> Iftikar is the best spinner. Ashwin would walk in and play each game in the Pakistan team right now, right? And he arguably could probably do that for Australia, definitely England as well. So I would think he would walk into majority side. Maybe not Afghanistan because they already have enough spinners. But look at that. I mean, and that's just one person. I think Shami would do the same thing. He'd be passing four for Afghanistan. That's how he gets in the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculously strong, isn't it? And uh, it's hard to see them being derailed. Uh, I mean, New Zealand probably gave them the best game of the tournament so far, Neil, and kind of ran them close, but it always looked like India had enough, didn't it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I watched that and we had a bad day in the field. And mm. I don't, I don't, I think there is a little bit of a caveat that, you know, the Dharmashala outfield is. Uh, bordering on dangerous. Well, nobody um, was prepared to dive on it, were they? Yeah, either mm. side. Um, but we we dropped catches. I mean, Jadeja dropped a catch, and then you know Ravindra goes and scores another fifty on on the top of that, puts on one hundred and fifty with uh, with Mitchell. But it's the best put together squad in the tournament, and certainly I think for India, the best put together squad I've ever seen for a World Cup because we do seem to be prepared for any type of conditions that we'll face in India, be it seam heavy or or spin heavy or having to go batting heavy. You know, even the Lord, you know, a great game is where the Lord is in the team, but he doesn't have to bowl because everyone else is doing fine. He doesn't have to bat because the game's done before it gets to him. Uh, but he gives that option and that security to the other batters so they don't have to do what Dhoni did and, you know, go really defensive because he doesn't trust anyone. Um, and he can- I love how you just call him the Lord. Like everybody knows that Charles Takur is called the Lord. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, he, he's he's kind of like coasting through this tournament without really doing anything. Like you say, he's, I, he's the he's the uh, Mark Chapman of India, isn't he? He's yeah. It's, it's break class, uh, break the glass in case of emergency. You really hope you don't have to use him. But <laughs> but you know he'll he'll get a couple of overs in it, like sort of eleven, twelve, thirteen, and then we've got that uh, little bit of safety net if someone is going. You know, Kuldeep wouldn't have had to. Bowlers ten yesterday if Shardle was uh, was playing, even though he came back really well in the back five, but Rohit didn't have that option at all, which meant that Mitchell could really go after him as the one guy that they identified that they they'd attack. Um, so he he doesn't do as much himself, but he provides that flexibility from a tactical perspective that um, I think works really well and also gives more confidence for people to go for their shots higher up the batting order. If I was to put you in charge of Pakistan cricket, Azim, which of the Indian players would you take? All of them. <laughs> Honestly, you know, when Anand was talking about the spinners there and uh, earlier I got cut off, I think that's the most disappointing thing from a... When can you remember a Pakistan team where your spinners have been performing so poorly and look so out of every... You know, they, they just don't look like they can keep the runs down. I thought that the, because I was commentating on that game today, and Afghanistan spinners in the middle overs when Pakistan were batting were basically stifling the runs. They bowled really well. Um, the the youngster on his uh, Cricket World Cup debut, Rashid Khan didn't take a wicket, but he was miserly. Uh, they were brilliant. And then, so I was looking for the Pakistan spinners to do the same to Afghanistan. They just couldn't do it, could they? Yeah, and it's been happening for a while. And it's, you know, uh, I think uh, Baba struggled with captaining them, but I think their mindsets are so defensive. They don't look to look like trying to take wickets. Uh, but, you know, I think if you ever get a chance to pick an Indian player for your team, it's always got to be Virat Kohli, hasn't it? Um 
master chaser. Um, yeah, just an outstanding cricketer, a goat. Myself and Anand's Mumbai Indians fans, we'd probably take Jasprit Bumrah, wouldn't we? I would have totally gone with Jasprit Bumrah. I think he fits into every team. He's a class bowler. However, I would say this. Pakistan does not need a pacer as much as they need a spinner. So I do agree with Azeem there. Uh, you know, Afridi has been a little off color, but Shaheen mm. is a fantastic bowler. And, you know, losing Naseem early was, was you know, certainly, and it, it shows right now, it's been such a huge loss. I mean, Hassan Ali has bowled fine, but man, Naseem is, is something else. So After Harris Rouse first over today, went for 17 and he was expensive at the start the other day. He seems de- seemed desperate to try and get the most expensive ODI analysis of all time, but uh, just money, he didn't have enough overs to uh, to spare last time. He only could manage eight, so he never actually threatened the record, but he's been that's one all of my, over. That's one of my, sorry, that's my, one of my biggest frustrations with the whole Mickey Arthur thing, because, you know, these guys, we, we there's a World Cup coming. They, you know, they played the Sri Lankan Premier League. They've played literally everywhere, played every game possible, and there's just been no planning. And, you know, I'm just not having that a director of cricket has not been able to workload plan. He's only been around for eight months for a World Cup. Uh, and, you know, apparently he picked up the nickel in Sri Lanka and then carried on playing in the Asia Cup when, you know, no one's going to remember who won the Asia Cup. And that's where my biggest frustration with this Mickey Arthur, you know, situation, because Pakistan did it before with Mizbah and tried to innovate and made him the selector, the head of everything and just one person dealing with everything. That backfired. And now we've got a coach sat in Derby three weeks before a World Cup, um, you know, while we're playing in the Asia Cup. I just think that that's why my frustration comes, Neil, uh, around Mickey <laughs> Arthur. Well, I was going to ask about that. Azim, because um, I remember Mohamed Amir maybe, what, four or five years ago, basically being played every single game, all three formats, until his knee cartilage was just dust. Do- doesn't the the requirement to play your best team in every single game, doesn't that predate Mickey Arthur? And it's just that he doesn't have the political capital to overrule some of the higher-ups. But that, I mean, that's look- definitely a problem. They're gassed, aren't well, they? I mean, I think the culture is one where players are very scared to have a day off just in case they don't get back in the team because of the political, you know, angles of, of the team. But, you know, you're a director of cricket getting, you know, paid really well. I just don't see, you know, just as I said to you on Twitter, imagine Rob Key coaching a side in Pakistan domestic while England are uh, having the New Zealand series. You know, I think it's absolutely absurd. And I think I'm frustrated that someone like Mickey's even taken that on. But, you know, that's where cricket just lets itself down. But I do agree with you. There is, with Pakistan cricket, um, you know, they're still very much living in the dark ages. You know, I, I in the last few years, I've seen it a little bit close quarters. The medical department, you know, just completely way off the mark. You know, a science way off the mark. Trying to catch up around data, you know, I, I do I do love Mickey Arthur, though. As soon as something goes wrong on the pitch, they pan across to Mickey Arthur, who's kicking something, he's ripping something up, he's doing something, he's looking grumpy. He's the best reactor in in, uh, in world cricket, Mickey Arthur, because he had plenty to moan about today, and why was he moaning um, on, the, uh, on the sidelines? You are listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Let's move on to England. I mean, <laughs> we could do 10 podcasts on this. What is wrong with England's team? Uh, the 100 in the middle of the season. They've marginalised the uh, 50 over competition to almost a second 11 domestic thing behind the 100. They've been complacent. They've played only a handful of, what, 20-something games or something in ODI cricket since the uh, 2019 World Cup. And most of those games, they've not played their first team. They have, um, you know, I mean, you can feel a bit sorry for Joss Butler, but I, I've, I've, Joss Butler's got the face on him of the person that was at the end of his test career at the moment. He's walking around looking grumpy and miserable. I don't see how that motivates players. I don't see how he can... He doesn't strike me as the sort of player that goes into a dressing room and raises spirits when he's walking around looking as grumpy as he is doing. What does Matthew Mott do? I don't think I've ever heard him speak. Where are England going? What's happening? Is it the end of the world, Neil? Um, England have... England have got what they deserved um, here because they haven't shown the respect to the format that it deserves. They haven't bothered to play it, um, either at an international level where they've played about half of the games of India and a lot of the other nations since the last World Cup. They've completely sidelined it at domestic level. Um, they believe that T20 performances and attitudes and I'll include the 100 in that, um, completely translates. I mean, we saw the the huge arguments uh, for between the Harry Brook and Dawid Milan, and in the end it was both and lose Jason Roy earlier on. But all they could, uh, but they were putting a single century um, in a domestic T20 competition against four ODI hundreds in varied conditions um, in really tough situations in Bangladesh and in Australia, um, Dawid Milan, and they were discounting it completely. They they haven't invested in the format and in the same way. And to me, the way that they're looking at the 50-over format is closer to all the World Cups prior to 2019, when they spent four years with a laser focus, um, meticulous planning from Bayliss and Morgan and the people at the ECB working towards it you know they play loads of ODIs they tinker with the team they'd give people a chance and then either back them or discard them and they ended up with a really honed unit when they came into that World Cup so that even when they lost a few games to Pakistan to Sri Lanka to Australia they still had complete confidence in the way that they did things Butler's just all over the shop and there's a chemocracy, which there has been in English cricket at the top level in terms of choosing players. You know, he actually came out and said, we're going to back Chris Wokes because he's a class guy um, at one point um, after the Afghanistan game. And I was like, well, yeah, no one doubts that Chris Wokes is maybe the nicest guy in cricket doesn't get you in the first 11. Well, on that basis, Neil, you'd have had 100 test caps, wouldn't you? You'd have been, because you're, you're a nice guy. <laughs> but, you know, you, the, um, I mean, Gus Atkinson's interesting, because Gus Atkinson's undoubtedly got talent. He, he's, you know, he's obviously... Two innings. He's, Two he's innings for listener before yeah, yeah. he played for England. Exactly. I mean, he's got no experience of 50-over cricket coming into a cricket World Cup. He sat there and watched from the sidelines for three games, and then you throw him in. It's, it's hardly fair on him, is it, um, Azim, to kind of just... Take a, take a lad that's um, not got really any experience at that level and just chuck him into the cauldron and expect him to swim. Yeah, I think I think there's two things with England. Um, one, you know, incredibly spoiled for a period of time uh, under Oi Morgan. 
um, and it's gone straight back, you know, it's gone very much quickly back to how it was. And I think the lack of respect uh, and clarity with Oi Morgan's team, you just knew there was so much clarity around personnel, around the style of play. You know, there was times that, um, you know, people would be screaming and say, no, no, no. But Oi Morgan was steadfast with his body language and, and with his words. And that, you know, you could see that throughout the team. I think the, from the minute that they left Brooke out, they've just been rabbing the headlights. And you can go back, you can start England's um, demise as wherever you want. You can go 2019 uh, and then the, you know, lack of respect for the fall. As, as you freeze, I'll ask you another question as a supplement because you'll hear it and you'll be back by the time I finish this question. Um, but I, I just don't get how you can be as complacent and as almost as arrogant as England have been in that they could, they just seem to have the attitude that they know how to play T20. They've got enough experience. They've got World Cup winners in that squad. So they're just going to be able to rock up and it's going to be okay. Well, I think, again, you know, you can go back wherever you want, even the appointments of Matthew Mott. You know, no one to this day knows what he does. And I think, you know, his interview yesterday was uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable viewing. And I think you're right in that, you know, I think they've had this blase, um, you know, attitude that we'll just turn up um, and we'll just bat in an attacking manner and win the game. I think the frustrating thing watching them in the is how timid they've been. Mm. And this is where I think leaving out Jason Roy, um, you know, Jason Roy did more than just the runs. I think for me, he, the way he batted for England selflessly, whether it was in form or not, took the attack to the opposition and it scared captains and they scared bowlers and it created a lot. And for me, I know people, the stats all say otherwise, and there's a lot of Milan fans. For me, Milan and Root can't play in the same team. I've been, I think we've, we've swapped messages on this a few times, James. It just changes the style of the outlook of the England team. Even early on in the Morgan era, it wasn't the bowling. You know, they always, whatever runs they got, 370, the other team used to get close. Mm. It was the out-and-out attack brutal. And that's where the selection the other day was just bonkers. I mean, completely just changed the style of uh, yeah. approach, um, which shows rabbit in headlights in thinking. And it comes right from the top. I think it comes right from when Brooke was left out. Once he was left out, there was no way he, he should have been picked back in because, and it would have shown, you know, we know what we're doing. And all they've shown throughout this last few months is that they don't know what they're doing. And that comes from the lack of respect. I think there's two types of leader. I think some people, Pep Guardiola is a good example at Man City, terrific manager in a Rolls Royce of a team where he's got investment money. And, and there's a big, um, it's not an easy task to, to maintain excellence and to keep Man City at the very, very top of the game. That's a task in itself. And he does that very well. And you can get captains of cricket teams where he's got, where the captain's got all of the tools, he's got all of the players. There's a lot of chats, obviously, off the park. A lot of T20 field placings are decided before you get out there, aren't they? You don't, you're not kind of reacting whilst you're on the park. I think Josh Butler's in that kind of category as a captain. I think Ben Stokes and a few others are in the category of a, a, a person that can walk into a dressing room and lift it and actually tell people they're better than they are and get people to actually fight. I'll follow you through that brick wall. I don't think Josh Butler is that, Azim. Am I wrong? Um, I, th I think you, uh, Joss, look, obviously, I'm a little bit biased here. Played, you played with him at England under-19 level, didn't you? So I'm actually probably slagging off one of your friends <laughs> there. Well, no, it's, I mean, look, I've not spoken to Joss for a very long time. I, I'm just, just as a character, I, I, I think that's a bit harsh. Personally, I think he's been let down. I think he's given the vibes of uh, Joe Root uh, at the end of his test captaincy. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, 
there's been no support. You know, they've they've not had the best team. They've had no, and I think the coach is clearly, um, you know, not adding a lot. And I, I don't know how much this has played, but how well the test team has done and having Stokesy around, whether that has, um, you know, weighed down on Joss a little bit. But, you know, I've picked up body language of some of the other players and some of the senior players um, and having, you know, shared a dressing with, room with some of them. I, I, you know, I, I looking at Johnny and uh, uh, body language, I think the senior players have all been, like, very not interested and it's been very much, you know, going into this tournament, they've been dealing about central contracts. Uh, you know, there's a lot of riches at play. And I feel like um, the England players are not really that interested in actually genuinely playing for England anymore. Anand, let's come to you on England. Anything to add to what's been said already? I would like to refute all the points made here. What are we talking about? Have you looked at the number of ODIs played by all teams from 2019 to Just before you carry on, Anand, um, explain to Azim that of everybody on this podcast, we're all doom and gloom about England. Anand sitting in America as an Indian fan. He's positive about England. (laughs) Well, (laughs) let's bring up a couple of things, right? Nobody's playing ODIs. You know, England played 42 ODIs between 2019 and 2023. So after the World Cup in 2019, the first ODI that England played was in 2020. And then they played 42 overall ODIs. How many has South Africa played? I'll come back at you. Maybe South Africa and some of these other countries that have played only a few ODIs have actually taken those seriously and played their first team and actually used them as as genuine preparation for a big tournament that's coming up in a couple of years' time. England, I mean, Ireland, just at the end of the summer, they played the Lions effectively in that uh, that series. What was the point of that? That's that's three of your ODIs there that might, meant nothing in terms of preparation for this Cricket World Cup. They travelled abroad to, was it Bangladesh? And they played a B team there. They count in the number of ODIs played in the last four years. None of Root, Butler, etc. were playing in that, that side. They were well, pointless ODIs. I think it's, that it's more well. the attitude. I think it's more the attitude, uh, you know, the... From the moment of the appointment, oh, you know what? We're fine in white ball cricket. We're just going to, uh, Matthew Mott's just going to transition us into, you know, continuously win. Um, and I think, you know, the, I think that the disrespect, international players don't actually play a lot of domestic cricket. So it's not about, um, this is not from a hundred points of view at all, actually. For me, I, I actually don't think that uh, with the riches that some of the players can attract now, I, I actually don't think that they have any interest in playing this format. And, you know, some of the fringe players have shown that as well by picking some of the T20 leagues. Nothing against the players, but that's going to catch up on you because 50 over cricket is actually very, very different to T20. And, um, you know, there's a, uh, acute t- uh, strategies and skills I don't think we're going to be playing 50 over cricket for very much longer at international level, I have to say. Eight more years at least. Eight more years at least. They've got the next two World Cups in and they're... um, uh, and they're selling the the rights. I think what when people say that, and I, I saw George's um, written article, which I haven't had a chance to read yet, saying that they're discussing it. What we forget is that every single country, apart from maybe three or four, is reliant on ICC revenue distribution to break even. Now that ICC revenue distribution is all the money from the TV rights um, for the ICC tournaments the majority of which is the TV and digital rights for the Indian region. You get eight hours of advertising. Some people have shown screenshots of the um, 
the domestic Star Sports um, broadcast, where they've actually got like advertising banners along the left-hand side and at the bottom, and then you've got the screen in a in a cutout box. The advertising is massive, and without that level of uh, something else coming in with that level of revenue, then I know that most people don't care about the 90 other sides that can only play T20s and ODIs and aren't allowed to play Red Bull, um, but they'll go under. Um, so I don't, for all the, you know, the ECB don't care about 50 overs because it's, you know, it's going in the way of their own domestic competition. There's a long way before the international community can get rid of the format unless they replace it with something of equal revenue. I don't think they can, can they, Neil? It, it could become a 40 over though, couldn't it? They could change, they could adapt an ODI. But what's special about 40 overs? You're just essentially Nothing talking is. about two twenty, two T20s, right? I think you look at the format and say, what else can we do to make it a bit more exciting? Can you use the two balls tactically? Like one side, you, you know, we use two new balls right now. Can we then use one ball, you know, at the start and then use the second ball later? You know, there are tactics that can be added in there. Super subs can be looked at. There are things that can be done to make this exciting. I think that looking at Making it 40 overs just reduces it, but it's essentially two T20s. And, you know, what's the point of that? As, as you all know, I'm a forward thinker. You all know that I'm a, I'm a genius and I, I think ahead and my thoughts change cricket. I was watching um, them hitting sixes the other day. And, you know, they have the apex thing and they measure each six. What, there's going to come a time, isn't there, where if somebody hits a, a 70 meter six, it's going to be worth a bit less than an 80 meter six and you get more for a hundred meter six. You get bonus points depending on how far you hit it. It's coming, isn't it? It's like those factory games, isn't it? If you, if you get it in this hole, then it's uh, it's worth more points. Um, and then just to come back on your point, it's it's an English concept already because uh, as Zim will know, the, didn't the domestic um, competition go uh, to 40 overs for about 10 years? And it was a, big reason that you know the England uh, I was listening to a pod with either Will McPherson or possibly Matt Roller that Jared Kimber did um, about how that informed the England aggressive way of playing in 50 overs because they were used to going all out in the domestic 40 over competition so it, it has been done but you're cutting out advertising time and at the moment the Indian market's is there. Uh, whatever they say about people in the stadium, um, they're talking 40, uh, 40, maybe 45 million people tuned in at the same time during the India-Pakistan game. Um, India get into the semis and the final, you're going to get a lot more. Even, I can never get the um, the Asian decimals right, but they said that at one point today, two crore people were watching Afghanistan-Pakistan on a work day 20 million. Well. That's 20. <laughs> I mean, all right, it's a team that was doing well against Pakistan, but still, that is a lot of people tuning in on a workday. The Cricket Badger podcast is fueled by coffee. Take a look at cricketcoffeeco.com for some excellent speciality coffee for cricket badgers. Expertly roasted and ethically sourced, the coffee is fantastic cricketcoffeeco.com quote badger with your order and you'll get 10% off we're going to move on from this um, I I mean I, I'm really enjoying, I've started to actually really enjoy this World Cup it's getting better I think as it goes on um, but I think we should stop um, and um, mentioned this on the WhatsApp group before uh, 
we came on. And I think he's dead right because Bishan Bailey um, died today. And I think we should just maybe just uh, have a line on him because uh, 77 years old. But uh, what a player. He's, uh, I can, I'm old enough to be able to remember I'm just seeing the very end of him, I think it was. 266 test wickets at 1,560 first-class rickets. Seven in ODIs as they just became into being um, right at the end of his playing career. But let's start with you, Anand. And Bishane Beidi, um, quite a very slow spinner, wasn't he? Um, they wouldn't have liked him these days because he bowled too slow, but had so much control, so much uh, about him and uh, a, a, a yeah, genuine legend of the game. Absolutely. So I grew up during the Tindulkar era. So it was Tindulkar, Kumble, you know, things of such nature. But Bishan Singh, uh, Singh Bedi's shadow cast, a, uh, you know, he cast a long shadow. Each and every spinner would still talk about going and talking to Bishan Singh Bedi. You know, all the left armers did it, but also leg spinners. You know, Kumble talks about how he would go to Bishan Singh and talk about his craft. And you think about Kumble versus Bishan, right? You watch Bishan run in, there's this beautiful rhythmic run-up, and, you know, he's literally tossing that ball up, and you're seeing that dip, that spin, that guile that he would have. And Kumble is the exact opposite of that, and he was still reaching out to him, right? Mm. I, I think for all of us growing up, we heard about Bishan. We might not have watched him, but we heard about him, and it was amazing. You know, when you look at his cricket record, you just mentioned 1,560 wickets. That is ridiculous. And also, if you look at his test record, He's taken wickets everywhere. I think in Australia, in fingerspin in Australia, we know apart from Lyon, who's really done well, I think Bishan average is 28 in Australia in tests played there. Uh, it's amazing what he and the Troika spinners that we had were able to do. And I think that really represented India, you know, after gaining independence, that sort of first steps towards asserting that, hey, we can play this game and we have a voice. And, you know, Bishan, if you look even outside of his playing days, what was he able to do? He was able to take a stand. You know, I think uh, it was in England, right? John Lever with the Vaseline. They talk about that John Lever is putting Vaseline on the ball and Bishan said, hey, we're not going to play if this continues to happen, right? He laid some charges on him. Uh, Bishan, I think in West Indies, there's a story where four fast bowlers were played and they started bowling a bunch of bouncers to, you know, the lower order and Bishan said, hey, we're not going to play the test match, which at that time without helmets, you know, might not be the worst idea, but, you know, very forthright man had a lot of very interesting comments and was never afraid to take a stand. You know, one of the things we often see is our sports stars have a lot to lose, so they don't like to take a stand. They like to, you know, stay out, be, stay out of the limelight, you know, not take any controversial stances, never stand up. And But that was ambition. Bishan felt very happy to exactly explain what a stance was and where he needs to go. I think... This is two years ago when they were changing the name of Feroz Shakotla to Arun Jaitley. I think Bishan went out and said that take my name off from the stands because he was not happy with the way, you know, the Delhi cricket, uh, <laughs> is it DCA, I forget, or DDA, DDA? Whatever the cricket uh, organization is, you know, he was he was not happy with the way things were going there. You, you don't uh, often you know, get an unnaming ceremony, do you? When somebody wants absolutely. to take the name off a stand. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, he also, you know, with chucking, right? And I think... Obviously, science has proven out that Morley wasn't chucking. However, one of the things that he did say was, Dusra cannot be bold without chucking. And I think we've been proven right on that. Uh, if you're you're going you're going to move your hand more than 15 degrees for the Dusra, right? Every other ball, I think, well, is fine. You're starting a debate again here, Alan, because last another two hours. Neil's shaking his head. Azim would love a view. Yeah, I'm actually curious about Azim things. We need to get a right match, yeah. Spinner, what does he think about that? But uh, you know, the thing about Bishan was he was afraid. He wasn't afraid to take a stand, and I think you know, from an Indian cricket standpoint, a true colossus. 
Azim, so, um, before you come to Neil, um, the, as, a, as a spinner yourself and coming through, I'm sure you're aware of the name of Bishan Bailey, sad loss today. Um, how, how much did you look at other spinners from yesteryear in terms of kind of framing your frame of reference for playing? Or did you look at people currently or did you just do it your own way? No, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I tweeted earlier, uh, never had the opportunity to meet uh, Bishan Bailey, but you know, watch a lot of YouTube videos, you know, his action, his uh, run-up, just gliding. It was just beautiful. Like, you know, for me, that's what spin bowling is. Um, so, uh, yeah, just incredible. Yeah, sad day for, I think, uh, the cricketing world and, um, you know, the Indian cricketer family as well. Uh, and all my condolences to his family. Yeah, seconded. Neil, um, a genuine great. I mean, we kind of use the word great and icon and all those kind of things too much in sport, but he's he fits that category, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've I've seen bits on YouTube and I'm probably just too young to really appreciate, you know, the um this the spin attack of the uh, of the 70s. I I remember him mainly as a commentator. Uh like Anand said, he he wasn't cowed by you know what it would mean politically to uh, to take a stand. If he mm-hmm. felt something, then he would speak out about it. And you know, especially in in India um, at the moment, you see with the current players. And I have no, you know, I have no criticism of them um, doing this. But they are very, very trained. They're very media savvy. They can talk for hours without actually saying anything. Oh, it's quite an art that you get you I've sometimes done that. You interview a player and you think, oh that was a really good interview. You go back to your laptop and you realize you haven't actually got anything at all because they've said you told you absolutely nothing. Just a dead straight bat and it all comes back the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So people people like him who are prepared to uh, to speak out for what they believe in, I've got utmost respect for that and a great loss uh, both as a player and in his post playing days. Yeah, Bishan Bailey, thoughts to all of his family, his friends, and a massive loss to cricket. May you rest in peace. You are listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, let's finish today's podcast. We're going to go through the remaining fixtures. I've got three of you on this podcast. There will be a... A, a verdict one way or the other in terms of one win either way. And whether it's 2-1 or 3-0, we'll find out. But uh, we're going to go through every game. I'm going to update the table on my pad here as we go through. And uh, we're going to find out who the top four are going to be come the end of this Cricket World Cup. So I've got the fixtures here. And we start with Bangladesh taking on South Africa tomorrow. Azim, who wins that? South Africa. South Africa for you. Anand? They're playing at one, KD. It's going to be great. South Africa is going to win this. And Neil? Are they are they Wankhede or uh, Eden Gardens? Wankhede. Uh, it's the Wankhede Stadium. Wankhede. Okay. Oh, oh, well, no, no yeah. contest. Yeah, no so, contest. So a win for South Africa then. Updated my table. Um, next up, Australia against Netherlands. Start with you, Anand. 
I think Australia is going to come out blazing. They have a chance. They know where they are at. I think Australia, you know, what have they won? Like 79 World Cups so far. So, you know, I, I, I expect them to be really aggressive. One vote for Australia, Neil. I, I, I'm going banana skin. Uh, I, I think that uh, that right. Dutch we don't attack. need to justify everyone. There's a lot of fixtures left. <laughs> we don't want to be here all night. So yeah, um, but you're going Netherlands. Yep, Netherlands. Uh, Scott Edwards gets one over his compatriots. All right, Azim's got the deciding vote. Australia, Australia for you. Okay, next up, um, England taking on Sri Lanka. Neil, uh, England. Azim. Oh, um, I'm, I'm going Sri Lanka. Oh blimey, Azim. Um, and Anand? Small ground, Bengaluru, England wins. So that, that actually gives the points to England. Uh, so Azim, you're forgiven. Um, and uh, we go on to uh, Pakistan, South Africa. Azim? Pakistan. Anand? Chennai, so I guess South Africa is going to spin. Neil? Yeah, South Africa, better spinners. Right, that takes uh, South Africa to 10 points. Australia, New Zealand. Um, Neil? Uh, New Zealand. Azim? Australia. Anand? Australia. Oh, points for Australia. That could be decisive. It's like in the Eurasian Song Contest, isn't it? Um, Bangladesh against Netherlands. Neil? Bangladesh. Azim? Bangladesh. Well, I don't need to ask you, Anand. Who would you have gone for? Make it three, Bangladesh. India against England. We'll start with you, Azim. This is India's bad day, England. Ha! <laughs> Anand? It's India. Let's go on, Neil. Say England. Nah, it's uh, India. <laughs> so that takes uh, India six out of six. Afghanistan against Sri Lanka. Who am I going to start with, Anand? This one's tricky. I'll go Afghanistan. Neil? No, I reckon Sri Lanka. And Azim, deciding vote on this one? Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka for you. All right, so Bangladesh, Pakistan. Neil? Ooh, that one is Eden Gardens. Now I'm going Bangladesh. Home, home game. Azim? Pakistan, Barbaraz of 100. And Anand? Pakistan. Oh, Pakistan, just get the points. Get, just get the vote. Um, New Zealand against South Africa, Azim? Oh, God. Um, New Zealand. Anand? I'll go South Africa. Neil? New Zealand. So New Zealand take the points. All right. Um, India against Sri Lanka, Anand? India. Neil? Mankere, easy pickings. Yeah, India. 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 Right, everybody's gone India on that one. I would have added my India vote too if I, if I had a vote. Um, Afghanistan against Netherlands. Um, start with you, Azim. Afghanistan. Azim throat. Afghanistan for you. Anand? Yeah. Would love to see Netherlands, but I think Afghanistan. All right, that's uh, six points onto, uh, onto six points for Afghanistan. Um, New Zealand against Pakistan, Neil. New Zealand. Uh, Azim? Oh, Pakistan. Anand? Pakistan. New Zealand. <laughs> so, right. And then Australia against England. Azim? England. Where is it? England. That's Ahmedabad, yeah. So, England for Azim. Anand? Australia takes it. Neil? Yeah, Australia. Oh, that's England out, isn't it? That's England out. They're gone. Um, so that takes Australia to 10 points. India against South Africa, Anand? I'll go India, but this should be a tight, even Gardens. Azim? I think South Africa. Neil? Yeah, I think South Africa. Ooh, okay. I actually think this will be South Africa's best game in the tournament, and then they'll be done. Right, okay. I think, 
I think it, Kishan and Shami and uh, the bench strength, Shadal will play. Yeah. Um, Bangladesh against Sri Lanka, Neil? Uh, Bangladesh. Uh, Azim? Sri Lanka. Anand? Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Right, they take the win. Very tight table, this. Um, Afghanistan against Australia, Anand? Australia in Wankhede. Neil? Wankhede? Oh, oh Lord, yeah, that's Australia. Oh, I don't need to ask Azim. That's another two points for Australia. Um, and then we go with England, Netherlands, Azim. No, well, if they're all, if the guys have already got them out, anything could happen this day. So I'll let Netherlands have it. Um, Anand? Bearstow's going to wake up 500 on the cards in Pune. <laughs> and Neil? Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going Dutch. The, uh, England will have checked out already mentally. Do you know what? I'd, if, it, if I'd had a vote, I'd have gone Netherlands in that one as well. Um, New Zealand, Sri Lanka, Anand? It's in Bengaluru, so New Zealand, small ground. Neil? Uh, sorry, New Zealand versus who? Sri Lanka. Oh, yeah, that's Mendes all day. Okay, I don't need to ask Azim. Then there's two votes for New Zealand. No, oh, no, 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 no. I said Sri Lanka. I said Sri Lanka. I went Sri Lanka. Okay. Yeah, Mendes, uh, Mendes will go nuts. Azim. In I, I, I'm going Sri Lanka. I think latter stages of the tournament, um, I, I think there's you know real chance Sri Lanka could, even if they don't have a chance, they'll affect other people's chances. Um, Afghanistan, South Africa. Uh, uh, um, Azim. Afghanistan. Anand. South Africa. Neil. Yeah, South Africa. South Africa for you. Um, we're nearly at the end. Australia, Bangladesh. Um, Neil. Australia. Azim. Um, Australia. So they get the points in that one. And then we've got England, Pakistan. Azim. Is that with you? Um, England. England. Um, Anand? I'll go with the neighbours, Pakistan. Neil? Yeah, Pakistan. Oh, blimey. England are having a really bad time. Um, and the final match of the group stages sees India taking on Netherlands. Is this going to be the bad game, Anand? This is the banana peel game. I'm going Dutch here. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. India's going to make it. India, Neil? India. In India for you. Right then. So that means India finish on 16, 12 points for New Zealand, 14 points for South Africa, 14 points for Australia. They are our semi-finalists. Fifth place would have been Pakistan, and then Sri Lanka, then it would have been Afghanistan, and then bringing up the rear, depending on net run rates, at the bottom of the table, Bangladesh, Netherlands, and England. But our semi-finalists would be the... Um, guys I've just mentioned there and it would also mean that it would be India against Australia in a semi-final Azim India Anad one carry I'll go India and Neil yeah India India into the final Uh, the other semi-final would have been New Zealand against South Africa Neil Uh, Anand is it Eden Gardens Um, yes yeah I'm, I'm going South Africa South Africa for you Azim South Africa so they're through to the final. What would Filling you have voted for, Anand? Springboks. So I'm going South Africa as well. Right. So India versus South Africa in the final. Who is going to win the final? Azim. India. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even need to ask the other two, do I? <laughs> Neil. Yeah, India. And uh, just for uh, just for purposes of um, fairness, Anand. Virat seals it for the six. But what? what? I mean, After dotting up going, for, a, for an over. Just going through that actually shows that we're a long way to go yet. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. actually, like, just going through it, there's so much that can happen. And I know I've been critical of England and Pakistan. Actually, uh, Pakistan, when they like, especially Pakistan, when they've got literally, that's say everyone's given up, they, they could do anything. England, it only takes one performance uh, to really reignite them because they have got memories of knowing how to do it. Um, they are an aging team and stuff, but just going through that fixture list just makes you realise how long the tournament is and how it's designed in this way. So the you know the top teams have more of a chance to make sure they go all the way. And that's another thing. I think the structure of the World Cups have got to change. To, to what? I think there's got to be like uh, where there's a bit more knockout. And if there is an upset, then it really puts your position. At the minute, if you lose a game, uh, you know, it's fine. You, you, you can, know you've why so that is, don't you? Cover. Yes. You know why that the, is? That, that, that all dates back to 2007, mate, when India lost and yeah. they got knocked out in the group stages and they can't afford to have India going out early. That's that's the only reason it's like it is now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know that. And that's what I mean. But it's making for a game that's, you know, a format that is uh, designed to get uh, uh, the best teams towards the end. But if we're going to, again, you know, look at the wider picture within the game, it'll be way more exciting for us. As getting interested towards the end, we'd be interested from the offset if we knew... That actually, yeah. you know, one slip up and you're really fighting against it. Yeah. Afghanistan knocking out Pakistan today for, for sake of argument. It'd be it'd have been an even bigger story, wouldn't it? Yeah, Netherlands the other day, it would have it would have meant a lot lot more and it would have been, you know, it would have made a better spectacle. It might have made made a little bit less money, but it would have made a better spectacle. I should say thank you to Manscaped.com for their support of this podcast. Um, they're our sponsors as we go through the Cricket World Cup. That brings us, gents, to the end of tonight's programme. I've nearly gone dead on an hour, which I'm quite impressed with. We don't usually do that, do we? Um, Neil and Anand and Azim, thank you very much indeed for joining me, gents, this evening. I will talk to you all soon, I am sure. And out there, everybody, thank you for watching. Stay tuned to the Cricket Badger Podcast as we go through the rest of this Cricket World Cup. And uh, we will see you again very soon indeed. Cheers, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.